Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, I always feel like you should say in theaters now, right? It's like that <laughs> crazy, crazy. That's good. It's good, though. Tech team did a great job. Creative team did a great job. Hey, uh, welcome to all of you. Uh, watching online, all of our campuses. So glad you're with us today and glad you're here with us. The weather's changing. It's a great time to be in Texas. Um, uh, And October 28th, Friday, is our Women's Brave Conference. I know we just heard about it, but there's a QR code right there. If you haven't registered tomorrow, which is Sunday, is going to be the last day for the early bird, uh, Danielle Strickland. She's been here. uh, It was a few years ago, but Danielle Strickland's going to be here. Dr. Anita Phillips who I think you just saw, Andy Andrews. It's going to be an awesome, and I'll be there. Uh, I'm not going to speak, but I'll be there. So that's a good reason, right? QR code, kidding. Um, Women's Conference, Friday, October 28th. So 7 o'clock, right here at the Frisco East. So all of our campuses come together. It's going to be a great, great time. Now, today, um, here's, here's kind of where we are. I'm, I'm not concluding the series in times because I've got one more week of it for Q&A, but really the teaching of this um, is, is I'm going to conclude it today, and if you're just now joining us, for, you know, maybe you haven't been at all, you haven't been listening, you haven't been watching, you haven't been here, uh, what have we been talking about? Well, as the, the, the crazy world that we live in, COVID uh, a couple of years ago, and, and the racial crisis, and the political thing here in our country, and, and around the world, other crazy things going on, it's been a tumultuous, tumultuous time to say the least, and so end time stuff is always popular. It's always kind of in the minds of people, is this the end of the world? I mean, it felt like the end of the world for some of us, and and so what we're trying to, here at Hope, trying to get in perspective, um, what what is is it about end times that we need to know? Okay, so over the last few weeks, week one, I, I talked about the four main eschatological views, eschatology is the study of end times, it's just the, the thought of end times, and, I, and I, we talked about the millenniums, okay, there's, there's different view of these, you have the historic, you have the dispensational, then you have the amillennialism, and then you have the post-premillennialism. Now, all of these are, these are not the only ones, these are the four main ones, and they have variations in all of them. And, re, and instead of trying to pick one, what I'm going to do, or what I've been doing, is just saying, hey, what are the, what are the good parts of all of them? And we've talked about all of them, and, and including today. We'll talk about all of each one of these in, in a sense of, of where they are in believing a sequence of events, events in general, and basic understanding of end-time theology as the Bible teaches it. Last week... We did essential eschatology. So in other words, what is it that I feel like? Now, again, this is my opinion. What do I feel like hope we as a church should know? And and last week, we talked about three of those. Today, we're going to talk about the other three. The gospel being preached, the resurrection of the dead, and the transformation of the living. So we talked about those last week. If you didn't catch that, I mean, it'd be worth, I think it'd be worth a watch. Today... We're going to conclude this essential eschatology and finish it off with the next three that I feel like are essential. In other words, what do you need to know about the end times? The three that we talked about, the gospel, the transformation, and the resurrection. And then today, here are the three that we're going to talk about today. The second coming of Christ, 
the final judgment, and then the complete restoration of all things. So essential eschatology, we're going to start with the second coming of Christ. Now with all of these, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to be at the TV a lot. I've got a ton of scriptures for each of the, as normal. Not going to really go over here that much, so camera guys, I'm just telling you, there's a lot that I have to say, and I want to go rather quickly, but I want to cover it thoroughly. The second coming of Christ, the final judgment, and the complete restoration. No matter what eschatological view you take, these are included, in most, most cases, these are included in those views. So what I just went over, the gospel, the resurrection, the transformation, second coming, final judgment, complete restoration, if you were to pinpoint me on a sequence of events, those are the sequence of events. The gospel being preached, the resurrection of the dead, the transformation of those who are living when Christ comes, Christ comes, final judgment, complete restoration. That would be my order. I'm not you know, married to it necessarily, but that, that is my opinion on the order of events and what I feel like we as a church or you as a believer should know. Let's start with the second coming of Christ, and, and where do we get this idea, right? This idea that Jesus Christ, who was on the earth, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on a cross, rose from the dead, ascended to the Father, Acts 1, but then there is this, this teaching that he's coming again. Where did we get that? Let's talk about it. The second coming of Christ. Here we go. Hebrews, we're starting Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. So Christ was sacrificed once to take care of the sin or take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, he did that the first time, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So the writer of Hebrews, and we're not sure who that is, but and we just did Hebrews this year, which was a great study, um, talks about this, there's gonna be a time in which he comes again. And that's an important understanding that we understand that Jesus Christ is coming back. He's returning. It's called the second coming. Next verse. This is Revelation 1-7, the beginning of the book. Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, amen. So this is a good thing for those who are waiting for him. It is not a great thing for those who have disowned or those who don't believe, those who say, I'm not a part of this type of, type of understanding. So that's why he says all nations of the world will mourn because there's this, there's this good side of the coin and then there's this challenging side of the coin. And when he comes, the question for us is, are we waiting? Are we prepared for his coming? Uh, Acts chapter one, again, here's Another way of saying it, after this, he was taken up in a cloud while they were, this is with his disciples, watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So now these angels at the time of Christ's ascension are telling his disciples he's coming again. Now, they already knew this, by the way. 
They had already heard this from Jesus, Matthew 24. Let's look at what he says. Jesus says it this way. And then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. So in, in my understanding of this gathering would be the resurrection and the transformation. As Christ comes, the resurrection of the dead, those who, of us who are alive, if he comes when we're alive, our bodies will be transformed, but he's coming again. So there's this idea that he's coming again. So what does that mean for us, though? So he's coming again. I mean, is, is, is there something that we need to be doing? Is there something that, that we should understand about this? So, so what does this mean that Jesus Christ is coming again? I'm glad you asked. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, when he's talking about this in chapter 4 and 5, in detail about the, the resurrection and the transformation. And then he goes on in chapter 5, that was in chapter 4, resurrection and transformation. Then in chapter 5, here's what he says, talking about the Lord's coming. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. And you've heard this, right? The, the thief in the night. Like he's coming, uh, like, like not, nobody's gonna be prepared for it. Well, those of us who are watching and waiting, those of us who are believers, there should be this understanding that he is coming. When the day of the Lord comes like a thief, for you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. So be on, listen, so here's what we need to know. What does this mean for us? Jesus coming back, what does this mean for us? So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Now, I would love to talk about this right here, but I'm not gonna dive in, I'm not gonna rabbit hole, but I think that's a very important word for us. In a time that the world lacks peace, in a time that the world is confused, perhaps, maybe some of us are confused, the people of God, should be, and I've said this so many times before, but I'm gonna say it again because some of you don't listen. So I think it, you know, you're like my kids, and so I need to tell you again. Clear-headed, we should be the most at peace. We should, no matter what happened, I know that's easier said than done, but I'm talking about in general. I'm not talking about when something happens tragedy-wise in your life that you can't mourn and you can't be sad and, 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 and there, or that Christians can't be depressed and, and walk through chemical imbalance. I'm not saying any of that, okay? So that's not what I'm saying. However, in general, the people of God, those of us who call ourselves Christ followers, should be clear-headed. We should be a people who are not confused, a people who are not uh, falling into the trap of the enemy and 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 anchoring our soul to this world. And I think many of us politically, many of us materially, many of us relationally have anchored or are anchoring ourselves to this world in a, in a way that is unhealthy and it keeps us from being clear-headed. We're not, we're, we're, we're 
diving into all kinds of conspiracies. We're diving into all kinds of internet sensations and re- revelations and, and prophecies. And I'm not, again, I'm not against prophecies, but I'm just telling you, I feel like as a, as a pastor, I should say that of all the people on the planet no matter what the crisis, generally speaking, no matter what the plague, no matter what the, the, the medical, political, climate, racial climate, we should be clear-headed. We are not people of the dark. We're not people in the dark. I don't mean that like we're better. I don't mean it that way, like you're like, oh, we're superior than everybody else and we should. No, I don't mean it that way. I, I just mean that humbly speaking, that we are children of the light and of the day and and we don't belong to darkness and night. So be on guard and not asleep like the other. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Be clear-headed about stuff. Don't be the weird one, in other words. Okay, night is, so I did did go into the rabbit trail, but, but it was a good one, all right. Night is the time when people are asleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear. He said it again, so I'll say it again. No, kidding. Be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith, and what? How many times do I have to say this, right? People, Christians should not embarrass the Lord. We should, of all people, not embarrass the Lord by getting into or falling into the traps of what I've been talking about. We should be clear-headed, full of love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. Does this, does this make sense? The, the, the reason that we're clear-headed is not because we're better. It's not because we don't struggle with sin. It's not because we don't sin. It's not because we have all the answers. But we are clear-headed because we are children of the light. And we have a peace that passes understanding. And we have a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. And so we can walk clear-headed at peace no matter what the storm is in the waters around us, because we are children of the light and we understand that there is a day, it may come like a thief to some, but not to us. So we're not freaked out when things happen politically. We're not freaked out when things happen in the climate. We're not freaked out when things happen in this world. We are clear-headed. It's not that those things aren't important. Please don't misunderstand me. But we, knowing that he's coming... I don't want you to be in the dark about this, Paul says. I want you to be what? Say it with me. Clear-headed. Can we put that on our website? Clear-headed. All right, all right. Is that it? Should I, should I stop? Yeah. The second one is final judgment. Okay, so that was the second coming. Jesus is coming back. Now, all, and I know some of you are going to ask questions in, in, in our Q&A about the second coming and the rapture and all these two different things and so forth. I'm not even going to get into that. But Jesus is coming. That's the big idea. That is what we need to understand. That's essential for me. That's my opinion as your pastor. Essential understanding is that Jesus is returning. And by the way, that's not just because the, it is because the Bible says so, but the, the, the reality of Jesus Walking on this earth is not just a biblical concept. It is not just, oh, it's a, the, a, a theo, theoretical book put together by a bunch of people who saw Jesus or believed Jesus. This was written about in the first century by people who did not follow Jesus. 
So you cannot, we cannot just dismiss all of this as fantasy that Jesus, oh, he wasn't here, he doesn't exist. Outside of biblical evidence, there is a plethora of evidence that Jesus did exist and that he is coming back, okay? So get that established, the second coming, Jesus coming back. Then what happens when he comes back? What, is, what does he do? Okay, this, because we're wrapping up to, to a, a completion of, of what the Lord has in mind for the future of this world, for the future of, of his people. The second thing that happens is the final judgment. Now let's go to Revelation chapter 20. And I saw a great white throne. Now, let me just stop here. This is a judgment for those who have not put their faith in Jesus Christ. This is not for Christians, okay? So let me make that clear. This is not a judgment. Now, we, we, there's a judgment seat of Christ that Paul talks about a couple times in, in, in his letter to the Corinthians. To us as believers, this is the great, we call what is called the great white throne judgment, and it is for people who have not put their faith, or let me put it better, people who have rejected, who have heard the message and rejected. That's what this is, okay? Great white throne judgment. The one sitting on it, the earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. In theological terms, this is known as the second death. Okay, there's gonna come a second death, okay? I saw the dead, both great and small. So in other words, there, there is this resurrection of the dead who were not believers. Now remember the resurrection of the dead, 1 Thessalonians, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, 1 Corinthians 15. Then there's a resurrection of those who are not in Christ. And they are raised to life to stand before the judgment, standing before God's throne. And the books were open, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead and all and death and the grave gave up their dead. And all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown. Now, let me just caveat here for a second. They were judged according to their deeds. What does that mean? So when, you re when we reject Christ, who paid for our sin, in other words, all the deeds that we, the law, he fulfilled the law. So we don't live by accomplishing or living by the law anymore. So no, we're not doing good deeds to get to heaven. We're not doing good things so that God will love us. We're not walking uh, in, in, in integrity and holiness because of ourselves. We only walk in that because of what Jesus has done. You understand that, right? That's, a, that's called the gospel. So we're only doing that because we have been Pay, the, the, the deeds have been done by Jesus, not by us. Now, when you reject what Jesus has done, then you will be judged by your deeds. There is a law. Do not eat of this fruit, the fruit of this tree or you will die. Okay, that was simple. We, we went around. We did our own thing. We rebelled. We sinned. We do. Now we are judged according to the deed. So that's just, just understanding why he says it this way. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Now this is not a great thing to talk about, right? 
This is not one of those most popular things that I, I mean, I never hardly talk about. This. It's not fun. There is a delineation between, let me make this clear, those who accept what Jesus has done and those who haven't, who have rejected. Let me put it that way. Matthew 25, here's what Jesus says about the final judgment. Here, here's what he says. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones, the sheep that are on the right side, will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Anybody ever heard of Keith Green in the room? Raise your hand if you've heard of Keith Green. He's an old singer in the 70s and 80s. He's got a song about this. It's awesome. All right. So, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? In other words, they're gonna say, what, what, what? We, don't even, we don't remember you doing that. When did we ever see you sick and in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you do it to, the one, to, one, to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. This is, the, this is the understanding, and, and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna answer the question that's already in your mind. What do you mean? We get to heaven by works? I'm gonna, ask, I'm gonna answer that question in a minute. Then the king will turn to those on the left, the goats, and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons, for I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. I, I was naked, and you didn't give me anything, or uh, you didn't give me clothing. I was sick, and in prison, and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when, when, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous ones into eternal life. What we did a few weeks ago, when we gave money to Project Rescue. You remember this? Rod was here, my friend. And we gave money so that those little girls and, and the boys and their families could hear the message of Jesus in a very challenging situation. That's a part of what doing to the least of these is about. Now, the, the question, though, is, I don't understand why Jesus would say it like that because it makes it sound like when we do things, that's what makes us eternally prepared. Let me help you understand. Let me put it on the screen like this and then we'll go to one more scripture. Helping the least of these is not how we are saved. It is the effect of being saved. So it's not how we're saved, but when you are saved, if you are, let me say it like this and, and, and I'll, I'll play, say it as plainly and unapologetically unapolog as I can, when you really are saved, you will do those things. They will come natural. When I say natural, it's not that we're gonna get it perfect every time, but when you love the Lord and Christ lives in you and the Holy Spirit is transforming you, you will care for those around you. The good Samaritan, 
Do you understand the message that Jesus was sending? He was sending it to a generation of religious people that did not care for those who were hungry, thirsty, naked, and in prison. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, so this is a theme for Jesus in saying that do not think of yourself superior or, or too good to help somebody. But, but when you are a follower of Jesus, these things automatically flow from your life. Love and help and giving and praying and taking in and doing what we are called to do as believers. Ephesians, Paul says it like this to help clarify the order here. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are, listen to this. So, so you got that part? So salvation is a free gift. We don't, we don't earn it. We can't deserve it. It is a gift. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that what we could do. What, what, what is this that we're doing? Good things. So when we accept this gift, we're gonna do good things that he planned for us long ago. So I just wanted to clarify our understanding of what it means to be sheep, what it means to be the righteous. We're not righteous because of what we do. We're righteous because of what he did. And we're right with God and forgiven of our sin and promised eternal life, not because we're good, not because we don't sin, because I want you to raise your hand in this room if you have not sinned in the last seven days. Raise your hand. Besides my mom, raise your hand, Right? If you have not sinned in the last seven days, in the last four days, in the last two minutes, some of you, right? We're not saved because we don't sin. We're not saved because we do good things. We are saved because of what Jesus did, but because of what Jesus did and we receive that, the good things flow from our lives. Make sense? All right, so that's the final judgment. Not a popular thing to talk about, but it is reality. And it's an essential part of understanding not being confused, but being clear-headed about what's to come. Now, the third thing, which is a good thing to talk about, is complete restoration. Complete restoration. Revelation chapter 21 says it this way. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. So there's this renovation so to speak. There's this restoration that's going on. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among God's or his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death this is the restoration. This is the complete re redoing, restoring of what God intended in the first place. No more crying, no more death or sorrow, crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. There's this complete restoration. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega. So there's this there is this preterist idea. Preterist means that all revelation happened already. The reason I reject some of that, I'm not rejecting necessarily all of that, the reason I reject some of that is because some of this has not happened. There is no doubt that 
the earth has not been renovated yet. There's not a new heaven, there's not a new earth, there's not a new city, new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. So, so he says, now it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children. One more, let's go to one more uh, in Revelation chapter 21. No longer will there be a curse upon, I think this is 22 actually. No longer will there be a curse upon anything. So this is all new. So, so you and I, if we're there, if we, hopefully we're there, we won't struggle with sin, temptation, with bad attitudes. You won't need your coffee in the morning, right? Or your five-hour energy or whatever you do. You won't need any of that. I mean, it's gonna be this unbelievable, unbelievable thought that, that there is this unbelievable peace, um, joy, the throne of God and the lamb will be there and his servants will worship him and they will see his face and his name will be written on their foreheads and there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun for the Lord God will shine on them and they will reign forever and ever then the angel said to me, everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. The Lord God who inspires his prophets has sent his angel to tell his servants what will happen soon. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of the prophecy written in this book. So the good news is that there is going to be a time in which all that we experience and all that we're walking through in our world right now, whether you're a believer or not, is, is challenging. It can be challenging. The, the things that happened to us that we didn't ask for, many of, many of you have a rough childhood and, and come from circumstances that you did not ask for. And it still scars you to this day. And many of us, because of those challenges and because of the abuse or because of the confusion or the tragedy or the Whatever it is, some of us still struggle with this forgiving God for what he allowed. The reason I do this, we did this series is to help give us a clear head that this world is not the way God intended it to be. But because of his divine love, which gives every one of us the choice whether or not we will serve and love him, not because we have to, not because we were pre-programmed and, and, and set apart like predestined, so to speak, and I, that's another theological discussion that we'll get into later, but, but in my opinion, we're, we're not wired that way. We are wired to serve and love God because we want to, not because we have to. So, so if you, in this room, you've been walking through just hell on earth and you don't understand it. It's like, I don't understand why God allowed this. I don't understand all these things that you're talking about. It just makes sense. All I know is that I'm hurting. All I know is that what I'm feeling and what I'm walking through is painful. And this doesn't help me, John. And I understand. I, well, I, I may not understand your circumstance, but I understand that we could get to that point. And that's why, that's why understanding that the future that God has planned for those of us who believe, all of that pain and all of that abuse and all of those challenges and, and things that you saw that were hypocritical, 
all those things that, that people did and said that were offensive and hurtful to you, but yet you're still here. But yet you're, you, you still, there, there's this belief and, and it's like, man, I, it's because of his love. All of, all of those things will go away and there will be no curse. There will be no more sin, no more crying, and no more pain, and no more abuse, and no more of the thought of it. I believe that our memory will be erased of all of those things. So the good news of this, the good news of the gospel is that we're saved not because of what we do or don't do. We're saved because of what he did. And being clear-headed about the things to come, no matter if we go through tribulation, no matter if we go through trial and death, makes no difference to us. We know the future. Does that make sense? We're clear-headed about these things. Every disciple, they were tortured and, and, and put to death by their, for their faith. John, who wrote this book, Revelation, was tortured and probably died on an island by himself. But man, they all went through it. We may or may not go through it. People in this world right now die for their faith in the world, somewhere in the world. I don't know if we will, but the, the, the point here is to be clear-headed about these things. The gospel is the number one thing in our lives. Why we do what we do here at Hope, why we're building that Prosper campus and why we bought McKinney and why we bought West Frisco and, and why we do here at East, why, why we do what we do around the world is not because we, got, we need something to do. Can I tell you what? I'd rather ride my bike than build buildings. You know what I'm saying? Not, not, not my bike like this, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'd rather do that than build buildings. But the reason that we invest, the reason that we do all that we do is because the gospel is to be preached and go and make disciples because we know that there's gonna be a resurrection and there's gonna be a transformation and, and there's going to be a coming of Jesus. And I wanna be ready, I wanna be clear-headed about it. And there's gonna be the final judgment and there's gonna be a restoration of all things. The end. So, so end time talk gives us a hope of the future that God has planned to keep our minds on what things are truly important. So one more scripture, Colossians chapter three. This wraps it up beautifully. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, what we just talked about, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For, for we died to this life. And your real life is hidden with Christ and God. The real life, this is not a real life. The real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. So why does all this matter? It just matters to, hey man, get your focus in the right place. Again, using Paul language in 1 Thessalonians 5, be clear-headed. Let us be clear-headed and understand some of the essentials that I believe are important for us to understand, not, listen to me, not get bogged down on th some of the things that we will never understand, 
How many have questions? Raise your hand. How many have questions about some of this stuff? You're like, man, I didn't get this. You, well, I'm going to try to answer all of them. But you know what? All those answers don't matter. So we may not even do it. I might just scratch it. I'm kidding. But it doesn't really matter. What matters, hey, I know what Jesus has done for me. I accept what Jesus has done. I'm good. That's it. I know what Jesus has done. I've accepted what he's done. No matter what happens from that point on, doesn't matter. Nothing will separate me from the love of Christ. Not tribulation, not whatever. Nothing can separate me from Jesus. So Lord, I pray for my friends in this room that may feel separated for whatever reason. I don't know. There's a lot of pain in this world. And I would say to those watching online and those in this room and another campus, there's a lot of pain in this room. A lot of questions, a lot of unanswered questions. But Lord, one of the things that I, I pray that we would get solid on, we don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to have our life you know, put together the way that it should be. Although we work for that day, we work for that. But what we do know is that you have invited us to the table as we took the Lord's Supper today. You have invited us, those of us who have been here a long time, those of us who have not been here long at all, those of us who feel like we have it all together, and those of us who don't feel like we have it all together and feel lost as a goose, you have invited us. When you walked this earth, you did not associate and hang out with those who thought they had it all together. But you sat across from the table from prostitutes, from drunks, from tax collectors, from the people who needed healing in their lives, blind, deaf, lame, demon-possessed. So Lord, may we, as your followers, be clear-headed about our mission. The sequence of events do not matter. What matters is we're clear-headed and we're ready and we're waiting. We're not gonna be caught off guard, but we are walking in peace, we are walking in joy, and we're walking in power, the power of the gospel that transforms our lives. So Lord, I pray for anyone and everyone in this room who may feel separated from you for whatever reason, may today be the day when you reveal your love once again and your grace. And may your forgiveness flow. In Jesus' name, I pray. Thanks for listening to Hope's Weekend Message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.